we have a tendency to focus on the major victories, the explosive growth, the huge new contract, when in reality, all along, it's been line upon line, precept upon precept, one small victory followed by another small victory that leads to a great victory. A little strength compounded with some more little strength. It's We go from strength to strength, and it's all these little things that lead uh, to these grand things that we tend to focus on when in reality, it's the little things in life that make us or break us. Welcome back to Kingdom Increase with Amanda Hall. I'm Amanda Hall, wife to Rodney, mom to Cecily, and pastor at Kingdom Increase Church in Jerseyville, Illinois. And we are hitting life's issues with heaven's perspective. Who's ready for this today? This is something in my life that I've found all along and really is one of, I think, a predominant um, spiritual truth and really a spiritual law that God has put uh, down for us. And we'll, we're going to look at Luke 16, 10. It's going to kind of sum up everything that we're going to talk about uh, today, but it's a great place to start and it'll be a great place to end. But Luke 16, 10 says, he who is faithful in a very little is faithful also in much. And he who is dishonest and unjust in a very little is dishonest and unjust also in much. Or Amplified Classic says, he who is faithful in a very little thing is faithful also in much. And he who is dishonest and unjust in a very little thing is dishonest and unjust also in much. And truly in life, it's the little things. It's the little things. As a pastor... One of the things I saw really magnified in me when the Lord called Rodney and I to begin pastoring, um, and, and after the fact, I realized it was there uh, already to a certain extent, because here's, here's one of the things. L- let me say, well, let me continue on with where I started. <laughs> I'm having a squirrel moment here, but at any rate. One of the things I really saw magnified when the Lord called Rodney and I to start pastoring was my ability to, by the Spirit of God, see great potential in people. And it didn't matter where they came from in life, whether they came from a poor family and and a rough background where maybe people in their family had been uh, not just poor, but uh, spent a lot of time in prison. Um, maybe they had spent, you know, five, 10, 15, 20 years um, in drug addiction and their life was a mess. You know, maybe they'd been married three, four times and um, had children that they didn't even have care of anymore because the state had taken, had taken care of them or taken, a, taken them away. Or maybe they were people that had actually been in the Lord a long time and, and lived uh, holy lives, you know, faithful in church attendance, but just never really seemed to grow. There never seemed to be um, a, a lot of increase going on in their life. They they seemed to stay at the same place for so long. It didn't even really matter, you know, if someone came from a really uh, good background and a very loving home and stable and, 
you know, financially stable and things. It didn't really matter. What I began to see is great potential in people. But also what was magnified quickly as I began to see people and people would come into the church and you'd get to know them and um, they, they would become a part. Maybe they would become part of the church and maybe they wouldn't. Maybe they just became somebody that sat in a pew on Sunday but didn't really want to take part. Like these are things you begin to notice. And even though I, it seemed a, a spiritual ability that God had given me by the spirit of God to, to notice the potential in people. I also noticed the patterns that kept them where they were, the patterns that they continued to fall back on in certain instances, circumstances, feelings, opportunities that always kept them exactly where they were. They never were able to actually break through or step into the new reality um, of who they are in Christ and what God has for them and all the potential that he had placed on the inside of, of them, right? And so, so what I was, the other part, the squirrel moment that came out of that <laughs> was this. I realized, as I was saying, I actually had a measure of that ability even before I stepped in to pastoring because this is one of the things the Lord said to me when he called us to pastor and I was like, um, Lord, you do know who you're talking to, right? Because everybody had told me, even though, though many around me could see that I had anointing for ministry and it was definitely that call of God on my life, they all... <laughs> emphatically said I was not called to be a pastor. <laughs> I don't know if it's, if it's my, you know, um, right and wrong, black and white nature, just to kind of lay things out, you know, just lay it. I don't know what, it, you know, my really bold approach at, um, at dealing with things. Like I'm not, I'm not a person that beats around the bush. I think it's better just to say what needs to be said and, and be done with it. But I'm also not an easily offended individual. And I realize that a lot of people are really easily offended and their feelings are hurt very easily. And I think that's a sad state really for the body of Christ. I think we should get over that. But back to where I was saying is that when the Lord called me and said, and I said, Lord, I, you know who you're talking to, right? I can't, I'm not called to be a pastor. And, you know, one of the things he said to me was, who told you that? I think I actually did a podcast on that already. And a, another thing that he said to me was, you're already doing it. You already are doing it. And I began to see, actually, I had already was, a, was able I had that, that measure of gifting that was able to see in people the potential that God had placed in them, no matter where they came from or what their lives had been like or, or anything um, like that. And that it was always, it was always my heart to help people see who they were and to, to, to walk in that. And so that was one of the things, um, you know, but then it really became magnified when I stepped into pastoring, you know, and so but it's those little things. It's those patterns in life. Like I said, though, I've always seen a lot of potential. And, and when I say a lot of potential, I mean, like, I see a lot of potential in 
some of the worst characters. <laughs> I mean, you know, but it's always patterns. It's the, it's those little things. And, and the Bible's clear on that. If you're very, if you're faithful in very little thing, you're going to be faithful in much. But if you're dishonest and unjust in a very little thing, you're dishonest and unjust also in much. And so that's, you know, when you look at the Song of Solomon or Song of Songs, depending on what translation of the Bible you read out of, but in the Song of Solomon 2, chapter 2 in verse 15 says, Take for us the foxes, the little foxes that spoil the vineyards, for our vineyards are in blossom. See, there's so much potential. And, and, and I'm, I'm talking about people in the world that don't even serve the Lord, but also especially people in the body of Christ. There's so much potential. And even when people begin to start producing fruit in their life towards the things of God, it's those little foxes that spoil the vineyards that come in and begin to nip off the blossom. See, in, in most instances, in most instances, you get a bloom or a blossom before you get fruit, right? If you look at it, if you have an apple tree planted, then that apple tree is actually going to bloom. It's going to flower. It's going to blossom. And then that blossom, that bloom, that flower is going to die out and in its place is going to come the fruit. And the little foxes take us out at the bloom or the blossoming stage before we actually get the fruit. And so really, it's the little things that lead to the big things. We want to magnify and we want to, to major on the major things, right? We, we tend to do that. You see it all the time. And, you know, peop, you know, people, when you have some grand victory or some huge new contract in business or some major door that opens in front of you or, or, or whatever, every, everybody majors on that. And, and of course you're going to because those, those things are very, very evident. Those are the things that people can see. But what they can't see is all the little faithful things that led up to that huge new contract, to that grand victory, to that amazing breakthrough, um, to the phenomenal new opportunity that you have, because there's all these little things that lead up to that. And it, it took you avoiding eliminating and sniping out all the little foxes along the way when you began to have a little flower here. It wasn't yet producing fruit, but the flower was proof that fruit was coming, right? When you began to blossom in this area and the fruit wasn't quite yet evident, yet the blossom was proving that there was going to be fruit there and you were willing to annihilate every little fox along the way that could snatch out the blossom. You were willing to, to analyze your own personality and things that would keep, that would hold you back. You were willing to, to recognize patterns that you'd fallen back on before that, that were not going to serve you well for this next promotion. And so you were willing to change that pattern. You recognized habits that could not go in to your next season, that you were going to have to eliminate those habits because if you continued in those, they were not going to serve you well and would actually uh, disqualify you from your next season, from that next level of fruit producing. So it's the little things, it's the little foxes that will take out the blossoms, the blooms, the flowers before the fruit ever comes. And it's those little things that 
typically keep us from having the major things, the big things, the large things, <laughs> the great breakthroughs, right? It's, we have to learn to celebrate every little breakthrough, every little uh, victory, um, every, uh, the fruit from every little faithful thing that we've been in, because it's all of those that lead up. Like I said in the introduction, it's line upon line, precept upon precept. It's, we're going from strength to strength right? We're, we're rising like the sun rises in the sky to get in its brightest part in the, in, in the noonday, right? We're rising. And so we've got to celebrate even at these lower stages, even at these lower levels of glory, because we're going from glory to glory, but we've got to actually get, get to this level of glory before we can move up to the next level of glory. We actually have to have this little victory before we can move to the to the bigger victory. So it's, it's really, it's really the little things, the little things that are going to make us and break us in life. And one of those little things, which is actually extremely major thing. And that's why I say it's really, we find out in life, it's the little things, which are actually the major things, <laughs> um, is time. Our time is so important. Ephesians 5.16 says, Making the very most of the time and buying up each opportunity because the days are evil. You know, this is a very simple thing and most people would laugh at it, but it was something that the Lord had said to me because um, I hate doing dishes. Okay, I'm, I'm just going to tell you, I, I hate it. And I even have a dishwasher and I still hate it because <laughs> someone still has to load that dishwasher. Someone still has to unload that dishwasher. You know, there's so, I just, just, I hate doing dishes. And one of the things I really hate is I hate to wake up to dirty dishes in my sink or on the counter. And when I stepped into full-time ministry and pastoring, one of the things now, you know, when we stepped in, Rodney was still working full-time job. He, he was actually driving a truck over the road. So he was gone all week and was just home on the weekends. And when I say weekends, I don't mean like two full days. Like he was generally home 34, 38 hours, maybe 40 hours. That was it. So it was me and Cecily all the time here. And then we're trying to pastor and, and everything else. And so uh, there was a lot of increase in responsibility. And at the time, Cecily's like seven years old and I'm homeschooling her. We'd gone through like one year of homeschool by this time and getting into the second uh, year of homeschooling. And one of the things the Lord said to me was, Amanda, take care of those dishes as you dirty them because there are going to be times when I'm going to need you to go and you're going to be mad because you're going to have dirty dishes sitting in that sink. And when you come home, it's going to make you mad. Now, why just take care of them now so that when I need you to go and do things in ministry wise, then you're not going to be cranky about that and not going to take it out on everybody else in the house, right? <laughs> and people are like, well, that's, that's kind of silly. No, it actually isn't because God knows my personality and I knew my personality. I remember, I think, I think it's Terry Seville Foy. She talks about how the Lord, she talks about her mom back in, 
in uh, her uh, brother Jerry Savell and his wife, sister Carolyn, the Lord said to her, um, that laundry isn't done because it was washed and dried, but it was still sitting in the basket. And he said, you need to finish that laundry, meaning you need to fold it and get it put away. You see, it, it was the little, it was the little things. And, and, and the Lord spoke to her in that, like there, there's no going to be nothing bigger until you take care of the little things. Right. And so people think, well, that's nonsense. No, it's actually not nonsense. It's, it's how God works. It's if you're faithful in the little, then he knows there's a spiritual law that you'll be faithful in much. If you'll handle the little things, take good care of the little things. And he knows he can put more into your hands because you'll take care of that. When Rodney and I were first married, now I was always extremely anal. Uh, there's really no other way to say that. Maybe that's not an appropriate term, but it's true. I locked my house extremely um, clean. <laughs> and I mean, I was particular. And so, <clears throat> so when Rodney and I got married, and it's not like Rodney is a slob by any means because he's, he's not that, but he has his little idiosyncrasies. Like he'll stack his dirty dishes up at the table, be little table, um, be, beside his chair, he'll have five pairs of shoes strung out in the middle of the floor, <laughs> wherever he takes them off. That's where, <laughs> where they stay. And so I had to decide really, and I don't say, cause Rodney and I, we talk about this and we laugh even, even now I'll say, um, Rodney, um, I, I need you to do this. He goes, okay, that's on the six week project list. And he giggles because, because we always, this is something we've been, you know, we've been, we'll be married 21 years in November and we laugh about it. <laughs> I'm not a nagger. So that that's a good thing that I'm not a nagger, but likewise, I'm not a nagger, but things can nag at me. And so I decided early on because I was very, very anal and I like things very, much in their place at all times and stuff. And I realized either I'm going to major on these minor things, a pile of dishes beside his chair or, um, you know, his shoes out in the middle of the floor, or I'm going to take care of those things and just deal with them. Or I'm just going to ignore them. I'm going to have to make up my mind what is most important to me. And ultimately what most important to me was my marriage, right? And so I, there were things along the way, um, you know, I just realized this is not that important to me. And so, but I also told Rodney, you know, I'm like, look, I'm your wife, I'm not your maid. You have two hands, two feet also. And I do, you know, I, I take care of our home and, and, and do all these things, but I'm not your maid. You know, it's not my responsibility to pick up your five pairs of shoes that you just took off and left in the middle. I'm not going to do it. Now, I might kick them out of the way so that I don't trip on them. And people are like, well, and I'm like, but those are things that I decided. It didn't matter. That was the, the, because what was most important was my marriage. And so I had to decide whether I was going to allow those things to make me get, um, let them nag at me because I'm not a nagger. I don't nag other people. Um, but I am a doer and, and my love language are, is acts of service. So when you do things for me, then I know, um, that you love me, you know, acts of service. And so 
but I had to decide some of these things are not that important in, in life because that wasn't what was important. And it's those little things, oftentimes in marriage, that's where marriages fail. It's usually, if you talk to people that have been divorced for a few years, if you ask them why they're divorced, eventually they get to, it was just the little things, a bunch of little things piled up and they can't ever really pinpoint what it was because it was a bunch of little things. And so it's the little things that it's the little foxes that spoil the vine. It's the little foxes that prevent you from enjoying an abundant and good life that God has for you. And so, and time is one of those things. For me, like I said, the Lord, Lord said to me, do those dishes when, when, you, when you dirty them, do them as, as you go. Because one, then you won't get upset because, and be frustrated because you got dirty dishes. And two, when I need your time to go do something else, you're prepared and ready to go, right? You're not going to be held back because you didn't tend to things that you should have when you should have. Because we're supposed to make the most of our time and buy up each opportunity. And many times people don't, um, they don't make the most of their opportunities. They're given opportunities and they waste them. They don't do anything with them. And so it's important for us. I remember, I don't know. I, I don't even know what year it was. It was probably maybe 2017, 2018. And there was someone that had been in our church for a couple couple years and lover pieces and still do to this day. But, you know, she basically, you know, made it pretty well known that she loved working with children. She liked children's ministry, this and that and everything else. And she had a gift to work uh, with, with the children and stuff. So we decided, I, I felt the Lord impress upon me to take six weeks, one of the summer. And once a week we would, um, I didn't do it. The, the people in the church did it. Um, but I'm the one that I knew that's what the Lord wanted us to do. And everybody was like, yeah, that's a great idea. And everybody brought, came and brought their ideas together. And we, we lined out something every, every week for six weeks, we'd meet in a local park and have music and games, um, and food for, for the kids and, and then do like a short gospel message. Right. So the whole point was, was a soul winning strategy for our children in, in Jerseyville. And so I put this gal, um, in, in charge of it because it was something she, she desired to do something. She let me know. And, and I, we had been training her in leadership as it was in, in, in the church. Well, when, when push came to shove, someone else was actually the person that had to take the reins of that and put it all together and be responsible. And they weren't even sure half the time if this other person was going to show up or not. Right. And so it, again, there, there's all the potential, there's the gifting, the ability, the anointing to do it, but there wasn't, you couldn't, you know, couldn't turn the switch on go. And so then someone else had to bring up the slack. Well, then that person was a little upset. They didn't mind doing it. But after the fact, you know, said, you know, I got stuck with doing, I'm sorry. I thought, you know, as a pastor, I'm not sure what to do about it. And nobody really said anything to me till after the fact, because I wasn't involved in that. There were several other people, actually Rodney would go, but I wasn't doing that, you know? And so, you know, it makes people 
upset. You're supposed to make the most of every opportunity you're given. And then people wonder why things in their life never change because they get opportunities and then they just drop the ball. And then it gets in somebody else's hands to do something. You've got to make the most of every opportunity. You've got to quit wasting time. Time things like thing seems like a little thing, but time is very valuable. It's the most valuable thing you have because you never get time back. You can't make up time. You can't increase time. You can't add time to your day. Time is just time. And so you have, that is one of those little things that you'll find if you waste your time. If you waste your time, you know, have you ever known those people that, I mean, they, they don't seem to have time for anything. And yet anytime, like anytime I'm on social media, most of the time I only go on social media to, to post for ministry stuff, I find they're actually on there. Well, no wonder they ain't got time for nothing because they're all wrapped around social media all day long. It's a time waster. And so you have to make the most of time. Time is one of those little things which is, which is actually a very major thing um, in life. Money. Money is one of those things that people cannot get a hold of. And yet in that passage, in, in that Luke passage... Let me go back there. In Luke 16, where we were about the little things, the next verse goes on to say, Therefore, if you have not been faithful in the case of unrighteous mammon, deceitful riches, money, and possessions, who will entrust you to the true riches? Money is the least of things. But if you can't be responsible and faithful with money, you're going to be hard pressed to do anything worthwhile and with much success in life. Because he says, if you can't be faithful in the case of unrighteous mammon, then who's going to entrust you with anything that's truly important in Proverbs. And this, you know, this is where a lot of Christians, they fail this test. I've had people say to me over the years, well, and I get a million dollars, I'm going to give you this much and I'm going to give this ministry that much. You can't even give $10 off of a hundred. You ain't going to do nothing. If you can't give $10 off a hundred, I can promise you, you aren't going to give a hundred thousand off of a million, right? People are funny because they don't realize it's what you do in the little stages when things are small in your life and when you have little is actually going to continue to, you're going to replicate that same pattern. Proverbs 13, 11 says wealth won in haste or unjustly or from the production of things for vain or detrimental use, such riches will dwindle away. But he who gathers little by little will increase his riches. Why? Because there has to be integrity. There has to be a fear of the Lord in the sense that you've got to honor God with everything um, that you have, right? And you've got to learn to honor um, God with your finances, with your possessions, with your money. In, In Proverbs in chapter three, it says, honor the Lord with your capital and sufficiency from righteous labors and with the first fruits of all your income. If you can't do that, you're not going to get anything else um, right. And God can't entrust you with the important things in life. Proverbs 16, 8, better is a little with righteousness than great revenues with injustice. 
right? We know a lot of people with a lot of money, but they are wicked. All you got to do is take a good look at Washington, D.C. and all those politicians, and you'll, you'll see a bunch of that, much, much of that. They've gotten their wealth um, from unjust means, stealing from the American people, basically. The wicked, wicked, wicked people. They may have great wealth, but it's, it's not going to get them anywhere. That wealth cannot get them into heaven. Proverbs 15, 16 says, Better is little with the reverent, worshipful fear of the Lord than great and rich treasure and trouble with it, right? And another thing is, what good does it do for you to have a, a bunch of money, but your life is miserable? Your marriage is miserable. Your children are a mess. You know, everything in your life. You're unhappy. You're in depression or whatever. When you learn how to manage money and honor God with the little, again, don't wait. God expects you to honor him with what little you have. He doesn't ask you to give what you don't have. He asks you to give what you do have, right? And so if you take in a hundred dollars a week, at least $10 tied should go to the Lord, honor him, say, I trust you, Lord. I know that I have this because you've been good to me. And you're the one that's given it to me. And so I want to say thank you. And I want to say, I know that this comes from you, right? The little things, but the, the money is a little thing. And if you can't be faithful in that little least thing, you're going to be hard pressed to get anything that's of real value in life. Amen. And so again, it's the little things. <clears throat> Consider integrity. Integrity really starts in you and with you, and integrity starts at home. This is something that David recognized in, he, in Psalm 101. Who you are when nobody sees you, who you are in your home should be the same you when you're not at home and a whole bunch of people see you. Integrity starts in you, and it starts at home. Psalm 101, verse 2 David says, I will behave myself wisely and give heed to the blameless way. Oh, when will you come to me? I will walk within my house in integrity and with a blameless heart. So even when nobody else was seeing him, Lord, I'm walking blameless. I'm walking in integrity. I'm doing what's right. I'm being honest. Even when no one is around, even when I'm in my own house, I'm walking in integrity. And this is so important because the Bible tells us in Proverbs chapter two, and this is such a key to life. In verse um, 21, it says the upright or the righteous shall dwell in the land and the men of integrity, blameless and complete in God's sight shall remain in it. You know, um, God has a promised land for every believer. And that promised land is on this earth. Promised land isn't heaven. There are no giants in heaven, right? There's, there, there's nothing to battle in heaven. Heaven is perfect. But on this earth, there's a promised land, a fulfillment of life that God has for every person. And though as, as a righteous person, because you as a believer are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, you can step into that land, but you'll never remain in it without integrity. And that integrity starts in you and it starts at home. It starts really, integrity really means you're the same person in private as you are in public. You know, most people that know me, whether they like me or they hate, you know, they hate me. Um, I'm the same all the time. It doesn't matter when you see me or where you see me. I'm just always the same, <laughs> right? And so... 
It takes a person of integrity to remain in the promised land. It's so important because how you do anything is how you're going to do everything. I've heard this statement. How you do anything is how you do everything. Proverbs 18, 9 says, the one who is slack in his work is a brother to one who destroys. If you're, if you're lazy in any area of work in your life, then it's really going to bring destruction in your life. You, you don't need the devil to come in and destroy your destiny. You can do it all by yourself if you're going to be lazy. How you do anything is how you do everything and you can't be slack right? You've got to give it your all. If it's worth doing, then it's worth doing right. And it's worth doing well. Amen. And so many times people want more, but they don't take care of that, which they already have. And so these are important things, important things for us to grab a hold of. We have to understand how important it is to be faithful with that, which we have. In Proverbs 14 and verse 23, it says, In all labor there is profit, or in all work there is profit, but idle talk leads only to poverty. Many people do a lot of big talking, but they never actually do anything. <laughs> right? In all labor there is profit, but idle talk leads only to poverty. Don't talk about it. Do it. Ladies, take care of your home. Take care of your home. How can you expect to have anything better if you won't take care of that which you have? Take care of your vehicle. If you want a different, better vehicle that you call better, then take care of the one that you have. Amen? I mean, we in today's world have, have learned the art of wasting time. <laughs> I'll tell you what. And it amazes me. You would be surprised how much you could get done in your life if you order your life and become disciplined. If you discipline your life. Right? Don't be lazy. Work not with a slack hand, with, but with a diligent hand. And work. Don't spend all your time talking. Yeah, I just, I don't have time anymore in my life for just idle conversation. I don't have time for unnecessary socializing. Like, um, I, and I'm not even interested in it. Like there's things to be done and I'm going to do them and I want to do them. It's, 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 there's a, a lot of fulfillment in that me doing what God has called me to do. And so I just don't have time, you know, and thankfully in today's world, there's a lot of ways we can stay in touch with people without, you know, having to um, spend a lot of time, <laughs> you know, in, in unnecessary things, but you can't be lazy. I mean, you know, and this is the reality of it. And so you've got to order your life and you've got to take care of things and you've got to take care of the little things because you're going to actually find out it's the little things that are the most important things because you never get to the big things without tending to the little things, right? Every suddenly that seems to happen in people's life, you'll actually find out there was a whole lot that went into that suddenly. <laughs> it's just all of a sudden it was like a rocket that took off. And so you see the big explosion and you hear it and it's evident to everybody, but you don't know everything that went in all the fuel and everything that went to get that thing ready to actually be launched, right? 
And so life is that way. And those are things, I mean, there's things that we have to recognize that have to be tended to in our life if we're going to actually move in to the big things. And one of those things is your, are, are your words, right? Like I, I said a while ago in Proverbs 14, um, 23, in all labor, there's profit, but idle talk leads only to poverty. You know, there's just not time to always be talking. You actually have to be doing and you have to be careful about your words, not just, not just, but what is it that you're saying? You know, be careful. Um, Proverbs 18, eight, again, we don't think this, this is, is that important, but it is the words of a whisperer or tail bearer are as dainty morsels. They go down into the innermost parts of the body. Or in the New Living Translation, it says rumors are dainty morsels that sink deep into one's heart. You know, if you tend to be a gossip and someone that wants to talk about other people and what, you know, the bad thing that's going on in their life, you think it's, you're just, you know, many times we guise that as concern and this is something we need to pray about when all we are being is a gossip and we're spreading rumors. We as believers are not supposed to do that. And what you don't understand is that every time you do that, then that goes down. When you speak that, that goes down into someone's, it goes down into their heart. And as much as they'd like not to, anytime they are to see that person or think about that person, it is tainted with the rumor and the gossip you spread. It doesn't matter whether what you said was true or not. It's not your business to be spreading it. And so many people never get anywhere in life because they don't know how to keep their mouth shut about stuff that doesn't concern them. It's not your business. Stay out of it. And nobody else needs to know. And especially those in ministry, you have to be very, very careful because sometimes you can know a lot of things, but you're never going to get anywhere if you don't learn how to be very cautious of what you're saying and don't spread rumors and don't gossip. I don't care if it is true. It is not your business. Keep your mouth shut. It seems like little things, but it's not right. Jesus said it's a little leaven that leavens the whole lump. It doesn't, you know, like I have a sourdough starter in my refrigerator and I know how little it takes and it doesn't even take long for that sourdough starter. If I'm, if I feed it for that thing to grow, it doesn't take much at all for that thing to really begin to grow. And that's what rumors and gossip is like. It doesn't take much to blow things out of proportion. God can't trust you with the important things in life, if you, you can't keep your mouth shut and, and don't concern yourself with stuff that's none of your business. But it's also not even just gossip, but it's about your words in general. In Proverbs 13, verses 2 and 3, it says, A good man eats good from the fruit of his mouth, but the desire of the treacherous is for violence. He who guards his mouth keeps his life, but he who opens wide his lips comes to ruin. You, you need to consider what is actually coming out of your mouth and just be still. You don't actually always have to talk. Verse three in that Proverbs 13 in the New Living says, those who control their tongue will have a long life. Opening your mouth can ruin everything. <laughs> you, we just don't understand how important our words are and they seem little to us, but they are not little. Like think for yourself, like there are things, there's so much of my growing up 
um, that I just don't even remember. Like it amazes me people that I went to school with that can remember things when they were five years old in kindergarten stuff. I don't even remember any of that. We also moved a lot when I was little, so that might have something to do with it. But also it didn't matter. Like if something did in my life, if something or someone did not make any amount of impact on it, I just don't remember them. I still remember my third grade teacher because she saw something in me and she pulled that out of me and allowed me to bloom in a way that I had never had the opportunity to do before. Like I still remember her, but along the way I had a lot of teachers and I don't even remember who they were. (laughs) Right. And so if something or someone didn't make an impact on me, I I don't remember it. Some people can remember all of those things, but you know what else I remember? I remember a lot of the really nasty, hateful things people said to me, even as a little girl, I remember those things. Your words are powerful. Now I don't, you know, I don't dwell on them, but I do remember them still. Your words are powerful and they seem like little things, but they're actually, we used to, you know, say sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. Actually, it's the opposite. It's a lot easier to heal from sticks and stones breaking bones than it is to heal from words. So be very careful about what you say about yourself, about your spouse, about your children, about your parents, about the people around you, about your friends, about your coworkers, about your pastor, whatever. Be very, very careful because though words seem like a little thing, they will disqualify you from big things in life. Words will disqualify you from big things in life. And then the final thing I want to touch on today is the little thing called starting, (laughs) starting. Again, let me go back to where I began at the beginning when I was talking about how, when I started pastoring, how magnified it, it came to me that I was able to see people's potential. And, and we had this guy that came to our, our church for a few years, a good man, loves the Lord and had always had all kinds of ideas, all kinds of ideas. I'd like to call it vision, but actually a lot of it wasn't vision. It was just ideas and there's nothing wrong with ideas. And, and with all of his ideas, many times he would actually get started, but he would never finish. Like it would hardly get going anywhere. And so, but what I found with most people, they don't even get started. God gives them ideas. He gives them vision. He gives them something, but they never even get started because it's little, right? We want, again, we want a major on the, on the massive, right? We want a major on, on, on the explosive. We, we want it to look like that. But the reality is everybody starts small, You may not see their small start, but everybody starts small. In Zechariah chapter 4 and verse 10, it says, Do not despise these small beginnings, for the Lord rejoices to see the work begin. You have to get started. God rejoices to see the work begin, but he also rejoices. He would rather see a work finished than begin. What's that mean? It doesn't do any good to begin it. If your intention is not to finish it. And that's what I was saying about the man who went to our church for a great man of God, loved the Lord, loved people, 
but just never finish anything. Never finished anything. Come with to me with all kinds of ideas, but it's just, I, I knew it wasn't going to go anywhere because he could never, he never spent enough time ordering and, and, and being faithful to see something through. Right. Why? And a lot of that's because it never really grabs a hold of your heart. You can have a lot of ideas and, and people that, that kind of have our visionaries, they'll have a lot of the ideas. I have a lot of ideas and there's actually a lot of things I would really like to do. Um, like in our church, I would like to see a lot of things happening, but one, I can't do everything, right? I have the vision, but I have to have the people that, that are, can see that vision and want to run with that particular part of the vision. And so one, I, I know that I can't do everything. And two, it, even if I were to try to start that again, I couldn't complete it because my heart isn't there. Like everybody has their piece of the puzzle. Every part of the body is a part. And it's important that every part um, in the, the church body is functioning and doing their part. Because, you know, everybody else can't take up the slack when the people are missing, when people aren't doing um, their part. But you do have to actually get started. Go back to, you know, that in all work, there's profit, but idle words lead to poverty. A lot of people talk big stuff about big dreams and big visions, but they don't have the tenacity, the, the discipline, and the endurance to get something started and to see it finished, you know, and that's not Jesus. Jesus is not only the, the, the author and the starter of our faith, but he's the perfecter and the, the finisher of our faith. He will finish the good work he began in you, but you've also got to be willing to allow him to finish the good work he began in you. But you do actually have to get started. I think it, it serves people better to not talk about it so much and to actually plan, order, and get started. And get started and start working the plan. Amen? And then as you go along, you can talk about it. But the more you talk about something that you haven't begun, then the more likely you're not actually going to accomplish it. And I see it all the time. In Job chapter 8 and verse 7, it says, And though your beginning was small, yet your latter end would greatly increase. But you'll never get to the great increase. You'll never get to the major victories. You'll never get to the massive breakthrough. You'll never get to that brand new um, door opening or the amazing opportunity laid before you if you actually don't begin. And many times people don't begin because it's too little. It seems too insignificant. It seems like it doesn't matter. Nobody's going to notice. You're right. Nobody is going to notice, but it does matter. Because if you don't begin, there can't be an ending. Amen. But you've got to grab a hold of what it is that God has for you and get to moving on it. And nobody else is going to do it for you. And God ain't going to do it for you, right? He put that dream in you for you to start, you to work, and you to finish. And he will, along the way, continue to equip you and cause you to go from strength to strength and glory to glory and victory to victory so that you'll not only begin, but your end will greatly increase and it'll be phenomenal. But you have to be faithful in the little. 
Don't despise the small beginnings and don't compare your small beginnings to someone's um, massive middle, right? And don't, don't, and the other thing is don't compare your small beginning to someone else's beginning because you and that person are not in the same place and you actually don't know how far along they've been before they started something that you see as a beginning and it seems massive, but you don't know what they've been doing up to that. Let's just put it this way. Don't compare yourself to anyone else. And that will help you to not despise your small beginnings and where you are in life. Don't despise the little things. Be intentional. Be faithful with the little things. For he who is faithful in the little thing will be faithful in much. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father God, for these great spiritual truths and an encouragement to stay steadfast, to not only to begin the thing, but to stay steadfast, patient, and faithful in the midst of the thing so that you can cause our latter ends to greatly increase, that you can multiply our little, hallelujah, and increase our small. In Jesus' name, we give you glory. Amen. Well, I pray this blessed you today and I'll see you on Friday.